0: Hello. Welcome to Be With The Word. This is our weekly podcast where we reflect on the Sunday readings coming up and reflect on them from a psychological perspective. And I'm Dr. Jerry Crete. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: I'm Dr. Peter Malinowski, clinical psychologist here in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: Hey, it's good to be with you, Dr. Peter. Oh, and our listeners, if you have not done it already, Go and read the readings for Pentecost for this coming Sunday day. Or even better yet, listen to us on Hear the Word, where we read it to you. Yep. Uh, So uh, we hope you'll join us there. And you can get to Hear the Word on our website, too, if you go to um, soulsandhearts.com.
1: Yep. And it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play and all of those places, too, so. just go ahead and subscribe to it it's just easier that way so yeah so dr Peters, good to see you how are you doing it's good to see you too dr jerry i am doing well the sun is out now uh we're well into spring here in indiana uh gardens are planted it's uh it's really a great time of year so nice nice yes this is a great time i
0: love spring in georgia (laughs) just, <laughs> well, spring, and, in spring in
1: georgia is over isn't it aren't you like well in the summer now in Georgia? <laughs> no
0: it's been slow it's been a weird kind of <laughs> slow Gotta gets warm and then cool again it's a bit unusual so but listen uh we have a really good readings you know this week it's pentecost which is pentecost. Really exciting. yeah um and i'll just yeah. give a little heads up what the theme is is how to end power struggles so if you're used to having conflicts with spouse maybe with kids this is the episode for you (laughs) how to break (laughs) power struggles when they happen and i'm going to give we're going to give specific tips and stuff on how to break those power struggles yeah. And we're going to connect them in with what the readings have to say. So it's coming from the Word of God as well. So it's
1: pretty. And, it, and if you're new to us, that's what we do here on Be with the Word. We take a look at the Gospel. We take a look at the the, the Mass readings for the Sunday through a psychological lens, to see how it can inform us in the psychological realm. That's really our special niche here with this program. So welcome to you all. We're glad you're with us.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you how often I have people coming, calling for counseling with really power struggle issues right Mm -hmm. like I can't my child is doing this and you know they're strong-willed or what have you and I can't get them to change or my spouse I can't get my spouse to change
1: or 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 adult parents right I mean how do I get along with my adult parents I'm 30 years old I'm 45 years old I'm having trouble with my parents or my adult kids too or my adult kids exactly Yeah, yeah yeah
0: So, so this, we're really going to explore this and look at what the readings have to say about it. So I'm excited about that. First, I just kind of want to like, look at some of these readings and see how they really do connect with this issue of a power circle, because what we have um, is in in these readings is first of all, St. Paul talking about um, the body of Christ, right? Um, And he's talking about all the gifts of the spirit and how they're not actually in opposition to each other that the gifts of the spirit like whatever they might be whether it's you know the gift of prophecy or the gift of Wisdom or the gift of counsel or whatnot; these gifts are not are supposed to argue with each other. The body of Christ <laughs> is supposed to be one unified thing, right? Right. You know, we see in other places where it says, you know, like the head isn't supposed to argue with the with the you know the armpit or whatever. <laughs> you know, like they're, these, these these are supposed to be a harmony, and yet, and why? How is that even possible that it could be a harmony? And 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 Saint Paul in Corinthians talks about the unity of the church and how it is supposed to be a place where we need each other, right? It isn't uh, a question of, uh, you know, this part of the church has power over another part of the church, even though we do see those power struggles take place, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in the church as well. But, but, but St. Paul, Christ himself is calling us to is, is a unity and it's all unity in the whole, in the spirit ultimately um, as the body of Christ. So, and then I just want to touch a little bit on what, what uh saint john says here and he and it's jesus showing up which is a really cool pl- you know thing we have the apostles i don't know if they're in the upper room where they are but they're meet they continue to meet right but they're doing it in fear you know because they're afraid they're going to be arrested right. or whatnot by the jewish right. authorities and jesus just shows up which is amazing because they've locked he the, the gospel writer says they locked the door so jesus yeah. shows up so jesus isn't bound by that and he says peace be with you And he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And I think that's really cool because, of course, we know God could make anything happen, right? But he chooses to set it up so that Jesus actually needs them. He chooses to set it up that he's saying, I am sending you. I started my mission in this world and now i'm sending you to 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 fulfill it and to you know to pass it on to to basically send my message out to build this kingdom of god like he he's empowering them to do it and then he even says he breathed on them which to me harkens all kinds of images like i go back to well first of all genesis where literally right. god the father breathes on adam Right, And says, go now and, you know, take care of the animals, take care of the world, reproduce and everything. And, and then there's that passage in Ezekiel, the dry bones. I think it's Ezekiel like 37, I think it is. And, and, and the bones are all dry. He's really talking about Israel kind of being dead and that his breath gives it life again. So when we're really talking about life being restored. And we have these apostles and they're trembling and they're in fear and they're locked. And Jesus shows up and gives them life and says, no, do do my thing. So I, I, I really, found, I find it to be very powerful. And I'm thinking, okay, how does that relate to people <laughs> and their conflicts? Like we were saying, like our children or our parents right. and these kinds of things. Like, how does it like, because what we have often is, say it's a child that's misbehaving or it's a parent who I'm having trouble. I'm an adult, maybe and I'm in trouble with my adult parent, whatnot, and, I, and I'm like frustrated with their behaviors. And so my initial most of our initial instincts as humans is to be, ah, how can I control them? How can I get them to stop that? Or how can I get them to do that thing I want them to do? And so now we enter into basically a power struggle with them because we really probably haven't spent a lot of time truly dialoguing, but we're not doing is We're not um, breathing life into them, Mm -hmm. if you will. We're not coming to them and... Kind of restoring their dry bones any more than they're just restoring our dry bones. (laughs) Right. And so I guess what I wanted to get at was how do we do that in a relationship when there's a conflict? Uh, How do we actually give life? And I think the really tricky one, the starting one, so I'm about to share, is going to be one that we don't naturally choose to do most of the time. But before I give it away, let's just take a little pause and just share a few upcoming Souls and Hearts things really fast just in case you didn't know already so Dr. Peter,
1: what's coming up in Souls and Hearts? So there's a number of things we got going on. So we've got um, certainly your course that we should mention, Dr. Jerry, for couples. This is uh, focuses on when pornography is discovered in the marriage and all of the the things that can come up with that. That is uh, that's that's just been released uh, just a couple weeks ago, and um, so we definitely want to invite people to come and check that out. The um, the uh, I have. I just did a, a podcast with the Catholic Medical Association, Dr. Tom McGovern and Dr. Chris Stroud on, um, on conspiracy theories, how you work with people uh. who, um, who hold on to extreme and rigid beliefs about the coronavirus. And so we get into very practical tips. That's, uh, that's available on our guest appearances page. It's also available uh, at the Catholic Medical Association. That was a tremendous amount of fun. We covered a lot of ground. It was great. And then the Coronavirus Crisis Carpe Diem podcast is continuing to roll along. I'm doing that on Mondays, and we have launched our community, and I'm doing some uh, web meetings that are coming up for very small ones, six to 12 people, uh, very small ones for us to start to get together, get to know each other better. We're going to be covering um, grief and the coronavirus crisis, and also stress management. Uh, That's the second one. So uh, you can go to our website, soulsandhearts.com, check that out. And then I know you and uh, Dr. Glefke have your course. So tell us about that one. That one is uh, the launching. It's launched.
0: It's already launched, yeah. And it's for uh, young people especially, uh, although maybe anyone discerning their vocation and wanting to get past some life obstacles that kind of prevent them from even possibly identifying their vocation, let alone launching it. And so we... Deal with all kinds of issues from depression, anxiety, substance use, pornography—all kinds of those those things that um, prevent us from really discerning God's will. All right, so we have all kinds of great programming, and we've got blogs and everything on soulsandhearts.com.
1: We hope you'll check that out. All, all right, right, so now we've got we've got the situation. We've got the body of Christ. You know, we've got the different parts of the body. We, we're talking about getting those parts in harmony, and you were gonna you were gonna take it
0: yeah Excel yeah because the first thing that i was thinking about when we have a power struggle is we don't stop and repent and i know that that sounds like a weird thing wow. to say but we don't often begin with what did i do wrong is there any aspect of this at all that i i need to own and that's the best way to put a basically a monkey wrench in a power struggle first off <laughs> is to say, I'm sorry. Right. And, and I, I can think of, I, I was this example of this situation that happened. I just saw recently at, uh, uh, with this, a uh, couple, and I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but the wife was very mad at the husband for the way that, she, that he handled a childcare issue. And she came at him kind of strongly, accusingly and, now you could argue sh- that maybe wasn't the best way she, sh- she should not have done that, and she did it in front of some other people. So for him, I'm sure there was an immediate shame response, right? His ego. Now his wife is basically, you know, scolding him in public. So I, so a natural reaction would be to then argue with her, right? right. Or to kind of show her up or something, which is actually what happened, <laughs> and it didn't play out well. But the very, it, it is very hard to cultivate this because uh, uh, ideally this couple should take this aside and talk about it privately. But since it didn't happen, the um, way to have broken that power struggle, I think to begin with would be to say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I should have done it this, let's go take care of it. Or, and if he couldn't even bring himself to do that, then maybe it's a, hey, can we go talk about it over here? But he has to, oh, like, or he, or if it's a she, it doesn't matter who it is um own whatever you can that's yours right to start off with because a person who's coming at us and confronting us with something isn't often actually expecting us to do that ironically right right? because we're coming at somebody you did this and i don't like it well we we we, maybe we imagine they're just going to melt but most people don't most people just shoot back and now we're in a you know it's a one of us is going to win one of us is going to lose, by golly, and we're going to play this out until until the battle's over,
1: right? But owning your own stuff doesn't necessarily mean apologizing right away, because it may take it may take a little time for that, and it may also there may be um, you know some. Preliminary work that has to be done, and I think sometimes people just apologize too rapidly. Mm. Right? They apologize to smooth things over. They apologize because they're operating from a really independent, or I'm sorry, a really dependent position, and be yeah. formats. So you got to be a little careful with that. I, I yeah.
0: Did, I did, well, you know, let, let me nuance it then. Thank you. That's a good point. Let me nuance it because what does it mean to be powerful? Actually, okay. I would Let's argue that to be powerful, it means that one has some control over ourself, our, oneself. Not control over someone else. So the only thing you can own is your own behavior, first of all. Because the minute you start arguing back to the person, because if they're coming to you with, you should have done this, right? Well, then they're playing out, right? They're starting off a power struggle that basically is trying to control or blame or whatnot. And so if you enter into that, then all of a sudden that's where that escalation and somebody's gonna, you know, has gotta win, gotta lose by golly till the end and nobody ends up winning, right? But if you can own and, and control your own behavior, right? So whether it's a full well, – whether an apology is needed or not, it's I can own what I did. Right, Right, right. So you're
1: basically talking about self-possession. If one person yes. can come into this self-possessed, if one person can come into this recollected, right, natural realm and also the spiritual realm, the conflict doesn't have to escalate. It only takes one to be recollected because you can't have you can't have a fight if the other person isn't willing to engage in that polarized way. So that's that's what I'm hearing you say.
0: Right. Yeah. And it it might be that it's an apology that you can do if there is some aspect you recognize at the moment. Right. It might also be simply where you're recognizing and acknowledging what their issue is, whether or not you fully agree, like, oh, man, I can see you're upset about this playing out
1: because it may be it may be too soon to sort of figure out like where are all the moral qualities in this what are all the moral implications i think a lot of times that first move is to like de-escalate the situation and see if we can engage in a way that's much calmer and if you're calm if you're self-possessed that's going to pull for that calmer self-possession in the other person too but if they if you if you if you go for the the polarization then the two of you can start tangoing you know upwards you know and escalate it so Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Because I do a a lot of couples counseling, and they often
0: come in with the idea that I'm somehow judge and jury. Right. And they're going to come in, and they're going to play out this power struggle in front of me, and I'm going to dub somebody the winner and someone (laughs) the loser. And then somebody gets to go home and say, see, the counselor said I was right. (laughs) And I know that going in is always the case, and it never – it that never goes anywhere. I have to be the one in that case to try to break the power struggle or at least initiate that beginning by helping them kind of see again what is it that we are can we not share this problem right? What is a shared problem because um if you both if the problem is related to ch- is child care issues, right some issue with how you, you you're taking care of a problem you're having, say, with one of your kids well isn't that a shared problem, right? Like you both, if you both want the best for your child, even though you don't at the moment agree on how to get there, it's a shared problem. If it's a marital issue, we have to at least agree, well, is is our goal for our marriage a shared, you know, a shared issue? Like, do we want to have greater levels of communication, connection, better sex life, whatever it is they're coming in for, is that a shared problem, right? Because if it isn't, then it's one person's going to win and one person's going to lose. It, it, that never works in relationships. And it doesn't work in the, you know, as, as we're hearing in the readings, it doesn't work in the body of Christ either. Right, right. All right. So, so okay. So um, breaking it means t- we have to have some level of control of ourselves. I like the way you put it, self-possession, right? And so in other words, when I can own my mistakes, when I can own my um, strengths, even when I can own my behaviors and what I've done, and then I can choose to do an act of whether if it's called for, an act where I ask for forgiveness, an act where I acknowledge, um, or perhaps acknowledge that I even understand where another person's coming from. So there's that first. It's it's the first step. Isn't self defense. Right. I guess that's really what I'm getting at. It's not because our first—that's our natural reaction, I think, for most of us. Right. If, if we were confronted, we want—we immediately want to have a—we have a self-defense. And I—and right. and I'm saying to break a power struggle, you don't do that.
1: Right. Right. So the question is, can you can you increase your vulnerability? Can you go in there like a sheep instead of a wolf? Can you tolerate the wounds? Right. Because if you go in there like a sheep, you know the other person may may claw you right? Are you willing to stand in there and take it, right? right. Um, not, out of, not out of passivity or not out of an inability to do anything else, but really out of love, really out of humility, out of that self-possession, right? right. Because if, if there isn't, you know, the clawing back, if the other person realizes that you're approaching with a kind of self-possession and meekness, then that's also going to de-escalate. Generally speaking, it's going to de-escalate the conflict pretty readily,
0: pretty yeah. rapidly. And it's my experience. I mean, maybe it's not always the case. It's my experience that in almost any conflict, both people have some blame that they need to take responsibility for, both parties. It's rare that it's all what completely one-sided mm-hmm. and whether there's blame. And so if you recognize your part in it, the other person, and you're just being very honest about it, the other person doesn't really have anything to hit you with. Right, like if you're not arguing with it, I mean, obviously, if it's difficult, it becomes more difficult when you seriously disagree with their assessment. Mm -hmm. Right, if you're you're completely if it's a complete one eighty, completely disagree, it makes it a lot more difficult. There, you're mostly just trying to understand where they're coming from as a first step. But a lot of the time, most people know, hey, the reality is, yeah, I shouldn't have done this. And as soon as you go, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Often, the other person, when it's a close relationship, when it's a relationship that's normally one of safety and, and goodwill, the other person will, once they realize you're owning that, they go, Oh, yeah, okay, I have to own mine too. A lot of times that's quickly de escalates because both people own their parts. And then it suddenly becomes, Okay, now how do we together need to fix this problem? Yeah,
1: that's, I mean, that's great when it happens. I will say that I've come across a number of situations where that is not how it happens, you know, right. where the other person really has difficulty owning any kind of wrong. It's a really typical right. pattern right. when you're working with somebody with narcissism, for example, because any breach in the dam, you know, you know, is is a threat to the entire Personality structure, so that's that can get you can get into some some variations there. But generally speaking, if there's a reasonable level of developmental maturation, you will get that give and take. I,
0: I yeah. agree with that. So. Yeah, yeah. If you're with somebody that is, or you're you're in a conflict with somebody that is incapable of owning any of their mistakes, we've
1: got well, bigger problems. <laughs> first, first of all, God bless you. You know, because <laughs> that is really really hard. That's, and I have seen a number of cases where that's really, a, that's really evident. But then you're dealing, then it really does help to like get some consultation to try to understand where the other person's where the other person's coming from too, because usually that kind of thing is coming from a place of deep woundedness, deep hurt, yeah. and a lot of shame, a lot of shame and a deep sense of inferiority and inadequacy, which is really what what happens when you have a narcissistic, a, a sort of, uh, yeah, a real pathological narcissistic personality organization, so.
0: Yeah, because I will say, I can't tell you how many, and it seems to be more wives, they reach out to me and, they're, and they'll come to me and they'll say, I've gone on the internet and my husband's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And the reality is it, most people could fit narcissist quality characteristics in a very general sweeping way, right? Especially when they're not doing things you want them to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm always a little bit, you know, it's a little bit hard to know what to do with that, except to say, Hey, why don't we slow this down? And let's see. Cause usually when you do try to meet the person where they're at and understand where they're coming from. Their dialogue opens up, and you know you'll find the other person usually isn't at least a clinical narcissist. It is kind of like, kind of like what you're saying. They're they a person maybe with a lot of woundedness, and the idea of being vulnerable and owning responsibility is threatening in some way. Right. So you need to really create an environment of safety, uh, which is actually one of my other points um was and especially when it comes to children i would say but maybe it applies all across the board but a lot of times with children i'm thinking we demand respect of our children and rather than creating an environment of respect and so if we just simply demand respect when we ourselves aren't respectful or don't help create that environment, it creates usually a lot of opposition in the, in the children. They'll either become very oppositional or they'll just mostly withdraw. And if they're compliant, they're just compliant because they're afraid of reprisal. and They're not actually um, respecting you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm curious, do you have any thoughts and how does, even as a parent, I guess it probably applies to couples too, right? How do you create an environment of respect?
1: Yeah, so an environment of respect, I think, happens when you really understand the identity of the person that you're with. In other words, that becomes more integrated into your uh, understanding of the other person so that this person is a beloved child of God, a son or a daughter of God, and as such is cherished and loved by God, cherished and loved by the Blessed Virgin Mary as, as their child, mother and father. Um, and so if you can hold on to that, I think it, if, if, if you can bring that to mind, a lot of the conflict, if you realized, hey, this is a beloved child of God, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of reasons all of a sudden come up to why you might not want to say what you were planning on saying, where you might want to, you know, kind of hold back on that cutting, you know, the cutting rebuke or that, or that, uh, that sarcasm or however you happen to fight you know, uh, when you're in conflict. So I think some of it is just remembering, hey, and the other thing is too, you know, that whole concept of we tend to really hate and get polarized in the other person with with the very things that um, we hate within ourselves right mm-hmm. so one of the things as I operate in you know from internal systems to external systems is that we tend to really want to shut down in the other person that which threatens us within ourselves right so there's that old saying when you point the finger right you've got three fingers pointing back at you um right. you know I think that's one of the things that I see intrapsychically a lot is that mm-hmm. somehow that person triggered something in you that you're responding to now and it's not even really about the other person it may have have you know be re- responding to things that happened before you ever met you know but you don't realize that because, you know, mm-hmm. it all seems like it's happening in the present moment. So,
0: yeah, I love all that. That's wonderful. And I love that yeah. aspect of really seeing them as a child of God. And, and I would say like within a family, recognizing their value, even within the family. And yeah. It's not yeah. just achievement oriented. Right. It's about, you know, their place in the family, just like everyone's place in the body of Christ. All the different gifts benefit the whole
1: they all have a function it says then they're all necessary right you can't you know and then in another place st paul says you know the i can't say to the ear i do not need you right Right. so you know there is this sense of interdependence in the community of christ in the body of christ you know that that we are not dispensable uh you know uh we're not dispensable we're not we're not optional we can't just cut each other off and expect that we're going to continue to function well
0: you know, this really makes me think, right, systems theory, right, because as a marriage and family therapist, systems theory is one of the, um, one of the approaches, uh, kind of worldview kind of approaches. And uh, when I think about the family, right, if there's a family conflict of some kind going on, a systems theory approach is to figure out what can change in the whole system right? It it's, isn't so much focused, okay, identifying some person in the family and what is going on internally necessarily. I mean, not that that's ignored 100%, but that isn't the focus. The focus is what's going on in the family. And if there's a lack of respect among family members, then um, we could do different interventions with each person who's not being respectful, or we can say, what is happening in this family that is cultivating respect or not? What is, ha- what is happening in this whole family that is cultivating disrespect? What could we add to the family that creates an environment of respect? And that could be anything from prayer, right? It could be some aspect of praying together more. It could be some aspect of introducing um, activities that would engage people with each other in positive ways it could it there there just could be a number of different ways in which somebody which uh, you could look at the problem and say i'm not going to just zoom in on this person and that person's conflict i'm going to zoom in on how as a whole we can change things um and see and then use those things to, to to change the dynamics because it's possible that um one problem in the family is having a ripple effect right? And so if a, maybe there's a conflict between mom and dad, right, that is going on, kids are somewhat aware of it, and it's causing a ripple effect, where now there's conflict among the children, right? And so when you kind of figure out, oh, that's what's going on in the system, maybe the system needs more of a sense of safety. If the parents are fighting, then the whole system doesn't feel safe.
1: Well, and you can see that in the human body, too. Like, if major, if major organs are, like, uh, in kind of opposition to each other, for example, if the, if the pancreas stops producing insulin, right, um, you know, there's going to be a rebound effect throughout the whole system. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of see that, you know, that that's going to start impacting the entire endocrine system, other other glands. It's going to have an impact on heart rate. It's going to have, you know, all kinds of ripple effects like you're talking about. So the parallel holds right. Mm-hmm. Going back to St. Paul with uh, with the, the the body, with us as being members of the body. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. So um, that's really, that's really great. So the first step is. In in my, you know, conception here is uh, asking for forgiveness when appropriate, or at least going in and trying to understand the other person's point of view and acknowledging it. Okay. And the second part is about um, choosing to respect the other person. It's, it's almost like, I'm almost asking for like an act of respect, you know, it might be just simply internal, but stopping for a moment and thinking about, wow, how do I value this person? I love how you put it. Like, they're a child of God. Mm-hmm. right and and this this is person is valuable and they're valuable to me and 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 recognizing in them and them according some level of respect right there even in the midst of a conflict because mm-hmm. it's we we tend to throw it all out <laughs> right. When right when we're when we're when we're in conflict and then the other aspect is interesting and it's saying i need you right and it's different than saying i want you to do something this way or I want you to do this, but recognizing I need you. Right. Well, tell and me it,
1: more about that because yeah. I mean, like, let's flesh that out. Need you sure. in what way? Tell me, let's, let's get into well, that. Well, and,
0: and, and when I'm saying it, I'm not actually necessarily saying to outwardly speak, I need you. <laughs> right. I need, <laughs> okay. like, you don't want to be saying, I need you to, like, do everything for me or right, something. Right. No, it's more like an recog- in, in, internal recognition that we all need each other. And in the body of Christ, we all have functions and we all do things, for example, and we all need one another. And in fact, as I was saying before, Christ is saying, I need you. I need you to fulfill my, continue my mission, continue my mission to build the kingdom of God, continue my mission. He literally asks the apostles to
1: forgive. Okay, so if we take it back to a marriage, right? The spouses Mm -hmm. need each other, right? They need each other to live out their vocation. They need each other in order to carry out the, you know, loving your neighbor, they need each other in order to create a home where they can raise their children and so forth. So that's an example of what you're talking about in terms of needing the other person.
0: Yeah, there's that. Uh, All those things are really good. I think that I, when it's a spouse, there's also just an element of, I need you emotionally. I need your support. I need your love. I need, I need to know your, um, that, you know, we're in this together, right? There might be, there might be an emotion, not just a functional, yes, functional for sure. you know, we, we need to be running this family together and doing everything. But, but this is an important person. This is a precious person to me. This is my helpmate. This is my, this is the person by my side. And, 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 and I, and, and and I need them just as they need me. It's not a neediness. I want to avoid that. It's not like, like that dependency or something. Yeah. It's a
1: recognition that I'm not alone. I can't do it alone. So here's, here's where I have a little bit of trouble with that, though. And that is that, yes, yeah, sometimes that person's not going to be there for you. Sometimes, or maybe even chronically. I mean, you know, so um, I'm I'm hesitant to hitch my wagon to any type of emotional response from a spouse, you know, because... So, all-
0: so, so here's the thing, though. That's a good point, though, because I'm not actually um, hitching my... What how do you put it? Hitchy uh, Wagon. My, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like I have to have a response from them right. or else I'm gonna be mad or something. And it's really not about that. The truth is we are interdependent. Um, and we do need each other. And when I get into a power struggle with someone, then I am I am basically only saying, I want you to do this. And, 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 and you've kind of disconnected yourself from the fact that, that I, I need, we need each other. And, and it kind of, the whole thing of, res- we disconnect ourselves from from repentance, from forgiveness, from owning our mistakes. We disconnect ourselves from respecting the other person. And we respect, we disconnect ourselves from the fact that I need them. They're important to me and I need them. And, and when you do a power struggle, it's like, I'm gonna shoot them
1: down until they comply we've now, we've lost that completely. Sure. Or I'm going to punish them or just, yeah, just, I'm just going to exercise vengeance and aggression against them because they're not meeting my needs and I've given up on them. Yeah. Um, Well, I think though, that we also have to understand, you you know, that there's human weakness and that for whatever reason, sometimes for years at a time, right? Let's say, let's do use an extreme example. Somebody has a head injury, right? So their capacity for compassion, for empathy is shot, right? They're actually very difficult to manage behaviorally and they may never be able to provide some of the emotional or relational needs in the marriage again, right? So, but I would argue it depends on- It's a on pretty special case. So. It's a special case, but you know what? I work with a, a fair number of people with pretty heavy duty, um, you know, difficult clinical presentations and spouses, You know, some real difficult presentations and spouses that have gone on for decades sometimes, and it's unreasonable to expect that that behavior is going to change. Um, And so I, I think we can still say that you need the other person, but not because of what the other person is going to provide you necessarily. We're not hitching our wagon to their behavioral or emotional response, but God is still giving you that person to love in your life right? There's still a role that that person plays in your life. um, And God understands how that person's going to behave and how he's going to respond or how she's going to respond. So I just want to say, just for those folks who really are skeptical of, you know, if I reach out and love to this other person in compassion, you know, that the, that the gates are going to open and there's going to be this wonderful rapprochement because some folks just are not going to experience that because people have free will, right? And sometimes right. this stuff is really, it was really difficult to work through and sometimes spouses to be quite blunt, won't do it.
0: Right. But can I, can I throw something out though? and that may be the case cause your partner, if we're talking about spouses, your partner right. may not choose to respond. That's always right. possible, but you're gonna, if you at least acknowledge that's the issue, then right. you're actually hitting on the real issue versus the issue that's causing a power struggle. Because whatever the presenting issue is that the power struggle is about is usually not the core issue, right? right. It's right. some issue of money or sex or kids are usually the top three, but when you get down to it, if the, if there's a reality that the other person doesn't care about your needs at all, and doesn't care about your concerns at all, that's a bigger issue in a relationship, right, you're all, then that's going to, ampl- every possible marital issue that could come up is now going to be amplified a hundred thousand times, because that's underneath, and most people, now there are people who will be, you know, upset and in and say, yeah, I don't care. And then you're stuck in a marriage with somebody that has no capacity for empathy at all. Then yeah, good luck. But that's going to be very, that's going to be a cross of a special kind. But most people, when you, if you're able to get to that and realize most people want to receive empathy and want to even give empathy and they, and they actually do care about their partner's need. They're just so caught up in the power struggle for whatever reason or whatever it is going on that they lose sight of it and so when we bring it right back to that that core relationship and 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 recognizing that in a marriage it is about give and take and it is about understanding and there is vulnerability and all that and 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 I think when that becomes safe to do big big word safe to do right then it's amazing what can take place because yeah, I feel yeah. like the holy spirit has a space there
1: yeah yeah no I totally I totally agree with you so those three yeah. things we got if I'm hearing him right, we have um, owning your part of it. You know, yeah. you got to own your part of it. Secondly, respect the other person, see them, you know, as God sees them. And then the third part, what was it again? Is Dr. about Jerry.
0: recognizing your need. Maybe need can be a loaded word, but you're, right.
1: you're inter de- interdependence with this person. Re- fact okay. That, but that this person has a alone. role in your life. There's yes. something really important <laughs> about this person in your life. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So the simplest way to say it is, I need you. Okay. You know, even to your kids, I need you. Like, not like I'm gonna die if you're not around. Right. It's, but it's like, you know, you're in a, you're important to me. You meet some of my needs. You're you're we're we're together in this. You know, right. it's even in a friendship, we 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 need each other. We work together and we need each other. And just recognize, hey, I need you. Okay. It's really different. Like, is a different statement than, why didn't you do that? <laughs> right. Right. And it'll it elicit, in the other person more likely than not, it'll elicit a desire to meet that need. Um, and if it doesn't, then it becomes something to go underneath that and understand why, what's going on, right? Because there's probably a reason. If, if, you, if you're saying, hey, I really need you to help me with this, and the other person's answer is now, well, well, then it's like, whoa, okay, what caused that? Now we have to go under that because something's there. Because most of the time, if you say, hey, I really need you, most of the time, well tell me about that. Well, how how do you need what what do you need? Right? When the relationship's healthy, you're like, "Oh, how can I how can I what's going on?" Right? When it's not healthy, you get something else. Yeah. 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 But most people don't respond well to commands or demanding respect, demanding Well, that's the
1: beautiful thing about this is you can try out different things, because I think different couples are going to find different languaging or different, Mm -hmm. you know, different ways of interacting that are going to be, you know, that are going to be like, I I react, I can just see myself reacting to, (laughs) I need you, because I start to hear things like, I need you to do this, or I need you like that, that language is hard for me that language is hard for me and it has something to do with my history mm-hmm. um you know so i recognize that about myself where that might not be the case for other people so i think just kind of getting to know yourself around those things can also help with like and you're knowing the people that you're that you're trying to love that you're trying to connect with can also be really helpful along those lines so, so yeah I think that's a sort of personal aspect of it that i'm yeah
0: like then that's to. right right i understand that and that might cause me be, be worth exploring like why is it why does it cause that reaction in me? Right. Because right. if you're, you know, if, if it was, I'm going to talk about you and your wife or anything because in this, in this kind of segment, but if it, it might be hard for her to ask for things, if right. your reaction is that, you know, reaction, and yeah. it might not be because you don't want to do the thing. It may be right. because it's eliciting something else. Right. So what would help you to feel safer? What would help right. you to feel like you could receive that? Right. Um, right. Might be important. Right. 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 Um, but 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 uncovering it actually might uncover the secrets to what's going on like i know i i wouldn't have that issue but i would have other ones right Right. like i might have um yeah i might my the other issue could be where you don't (laughs) this might be more me right like if the other person is needy or in some ways and i'm not being able to sometimes say hey i can't right Right? If the other person's, it doesn't, just because someone says, I need, hey, I need this, doesn't mean you have to do it. There might be a reason where you say, hey, I'm so sorry. I would like to help you right now. I can't.
1: Or it might not be best. They may be believing they need something from you, but it's not something that is appropriate or even sometimes possible for the other person to provide. right Right. i need you to make me feel okay about myself i need you (laughs) to i need you to complete my sense of you know of integrity you know or something like that because sometimes there's pressures that way you know which are more than the relationship can bear yeah so absolutely no it's a good point so we got those three things we got those three things so own what's yours and apologize if you if 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 it's warranted and if it's a good time to do that secondly is really respect and 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 the other person understand that they are beloved at beloved child of god and the third thing is really recognize that that we need each other that interdependence that we can't be lone rangers uh mm-hmm. you know that that this person's in my life for a reason yeah yeah awesome i love it yeah all right well
0: is that everything for this week Have we covered any other
1: well was those those so the action items go with that right it's to ask yeah. those three questions yes okay that's right got it and,
0: and when you fight and it's hard because you might need to write it down and put it in your pocket because when you're, <laughs> when you're in, yeah, when you're triggered by something if somebody, if someone confronts you, or if you see something where, you know, it's going to be a conflict or you have to approach someone, then you might want to remember those things and go in with those or respond right. with those, but you might need a pause. <laughs>
1: well, that's what I was thinking is that this may be something valuable to do like after the fact or after the fight. Right. Is to actually go back through it just yourself and say, where, where could I have, where could I have, you know, done this? And it might be helpful for the repair. Like if you do yeah. approach the person later and you've got it written out. In fact, I often counsel in pretty in high conflict relationships that people communicate via writing. You know, you could actually write some of these things out because then the chance of the conflict reescalating is less, right. Cause you're yeah. not immediately right there with each other. So if you're having some difficulty being self-possessed, writing the other person can really be helpful. Um,
0: I agree. Now, I would just say that if you can get to a point where you are self-possessed enough that you actually respond differently in the moment of conflict, it will be powerful in that moment usually. Because the other person is not expecting that usually. Especially if you have a pattern of negative conflicts playing out over and over and power struggles that just escalate,
1: you're basically cutting it at its knees. Right. Uh, well, we've I mean, had some that's... of that in our relationship, right? And just managing <laughs> souls and hearts. We've had times where, that's right. <laughs> you know, where, where, you know we've, we've, we've escalated. And so we're, you know, we, we found ways to work through that. And I really appreciate that about about you, Dr. Jerry, is the capacity to really engage in understanding what happened and to sort through it. And that's really been helpful to me in getting to know myself and how I am in relationship and so forth. So I'm, I feel really blessed by God that you play that role in my life as well. So, oh, well, thank and, you
0: for saying that. And yeah, it's true. We've had moments where it's escalated in the moment. We've had moments <laughs> where it has, and we've had to go back. And then we've had moments where yep.
1: it, was, it was diffused. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and, it, and it is very much about, can, can at least one of us be recollected? Can, we, can, we, can one of us hold, stand in the breach, right? Can one of us be a sheep that's willing to take a wound? You know, Or do we need to get the shields up? You know, and uh, you know, and uh, and become self protective. So, yeah, so, yeah, so great.
0: It's how you create safety and then so yeah. on. So, what you know, and if I could just close too on thinking about because as I was reading these readings, I just loved all these readings. And what came up again and again for me was this idea that um, Jesus's message or his word and how the apostles were supposed to then preach that and when they had that moment where um you know they were speaking in tongues there was a point though where it seemed to me it wasn't just about a language that they were grasping it was about like a light bulb went on and it was like it was kind of reminded me of a few weeks ago when we had the road to Emmaus and the and the the people were walking with Jesus and suddenly it was like a light bulb went on and all the scriptures made sense to them and I feel like it's the same at Pentecost like a a little light bulb (laughs) literally went over their heads, but they were like, a light literally came on and it all made sense and what his word was and what it means to give it and and what it, because Jesus's message, like Jesus was about healing, bringing mercy, bringing love, bringing reconciliation to God from sin. And that was his whole point. And he actually reserves his harshest criticism to the religious people that he calls you know, whether the Pharisees or whatnot, were the hypocrites or the people that are a lot of money lenders in the temple or whatnot, or the self-righteous, but he actually loves, goes out of his way to love and bring mercy to the people who are the sinners who are mess just messed up. So honestly, like that tells me, at least what spoke to my heart in this over and over again is just, you know, my role as a Christian is to bring God's love and healing and reconciliation, not uh giving it allowing sin but actually bringing healing to be able to overcome sin um through mercy and love as his message and how exciting it is and and that means that can happen in our everyday like we're talking about today in our relationships kids and our relationship with spouses but in all in our relationship with our friends like with you like that's what we're called to be right Right. That, I don't
1: know. So I'm, I know I'm preaching so, right now, but it was just right. like exciting to me.
0: <laughs> right. We have, we
1: have to take it in. Right. It's one of the things that struck yeah. me is that this was a gift. Right. It wasn't something that they all had to work through in their self-improvement and their self-perfection programs. They were able to take it in mm. as a gift. Right. He, they yeah. took it in and then they were able to go out. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. Right. All these people are frightened. They're up in the room. They don't want to venture out at all. And then got you know, then, then Christ breathes into them and says, now go out and convert the world. Like, what yeah. a contrast, right? So, yeah. so it is, we be, they became partakers of the divine nature, as St. Peter puts it, right? Yeah. Partakers of the divine nature, the breath of the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit into them. They became temples of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost uh, in, a, in, a, in a completely different way. And, and so we need that as well. So that's what we're doing at Souls and Hearts is we're trying to figure out what gets in the way. Of us yeah. living that out, what gets in yeah. the way of living that out? And so it's great to be with you on this journey. So thankful for all of our listeners, Doctor Jerry. I'm thankful yes. for you. I'm thankful for our listeners, and thank you for all the staff that support us. Um, and uh, and it's a, it's an amazing journey to be on, you all, to be on with with all of you.
0: And so. if you like our show, please subscribe, please like, please share with people you think would help. Yeah. All, all right. right. Well, thank you, Doctor Peters. Good to see you. Until next time, for all of you. Be still. Believe. Be loved. Be loved. Take good care. God bless you all.